Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Based football podcast, the only and best one about. You better believe it. You better strap in for this awesome episode we've got lined up for you today. But as ever, I am joined by Mr. Harry Hansford. How are you doing on this fine week? I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good, especially after we've just recorded this episode as well uh, with the lovely Alice Oliver, TV presenter, podcaster, uh, Arsenal fan. And uh, a bloody good guest. Um, I, I think she was the guest we've had the most. Who kind of goes into the emotional side of attachment to players. Um, sure. You know, speaks very eloquently of Thierry Henry. What what that meant. Uh, what well, what what he is, what he does mean. He is the coolest man in football. Uh, you know, Mark Overmars, Vieiras, and whatever else. And it was it was nice to hear that. Um, a very interesting episode. Um, has a fantastic ending in what's in your panini at the end when we open up some football stickers from 15 years ago. So stick around for that. You are not sure. going to want to miss it. It, qu- it quite literally made me speechless. <laughs> if, if that's enough. 
well, that, 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 you've got to stick around just for that, pretty much. Um, but yeah, good episode, wasn't it, Harry? It was, yeah, very much so. As you say, very uh, eloquent in the emotion that football can bring to you, especially uh, when you were younger. Absolutely, and she talks about the reason why she kind of fell out a lot of it as well, and it's all reasons I kind of agree with, and I suppose yeah. home, homes back to why we've decided to stick to doing a podcast in that decade, I guess. For sure. Absolutely. But before we can let you listen to that, you know the deal. It's me versus Harry in the face-off of Wiki Races. Um, this is the Wikipedia game, which you can play with pretty much anything, but obviously us being a naughty football podcast, we're doing it with naughty footballers. We start on the Wikipedia page of one footballer and we have to try and get to the other one, clicking as few links as possible, hence the Wiki Races. Um, today, we started with Naughty's legend, Michael Ballack, to end up on Naughty's legend, Pablo Ibar. Um, Harry, did you manage to do it, first of all? And uh, if so, how did you do it? Okay, yeah, I managed to do it, and uh, I'm pretty happy with, with my results. Hopefully, we've not got the same again. Uh, we oh, should no. find out. So what we tried to do, ladies and gentlemen, is that we, we do think we've been a bit too easy on ourselves because me and Harry keep basically drawing, um, as you might have heard over the last couple of episodes. So we decided to go with Michael Ballack, which is a kind of run of the mill noughties footballer. But we think Pablo Weimar is a bit niche. Like if you're if you're a naughty football fan, you would have heard of him. But maybe the casual football fan may not have. He never played in England, only really played in Spain um, and Portugal. So, Harry, let us know, how did you get from Michael Ballack to Pablo Weimar? Yeah, so I obviously started on Ballack. I went down to his international uh, career, uh, clicked on the 2006 World Cup. Interesting. Okay, interesting. Went down to the 2006 World Cup, looked at uh, like for results, uh, found a game. It was Argentina 2, Ivory Coast 1, clicked on that game, went down to the squads, and who was in the starting 11? Pablo Weimar, so clicked him. So I'll make that. 2006 World Cup, the Argentina Ivory Coast game, and Pablo, three clicks. Very interesting. I went a similar route. So I started on Michael Ballack. I went to the 2002 World Cup. Oh. Um, and I scrolled down to the group, which you may remember was a group of death that featured England, Nigeria, and uh, Sweden. Argentina didn't do very well. They finished third. They didn't even make it out of the group. Um, but you were able to, click, there was a separate Wikipedia page just for Group F, the Group of Death. So I clicked on the FIFA World Cup Group F 2002 page, which details the matches of which the first one was Argentina against Nigeria, in which on the subs bench was Pablo Aymar. So I went 2002 World Cup, um, FIFA World Cup Group F, and then Pablo Aymar. So I also done it in three clicks. Okay, but different. But same, same, but different, as they say in Vietnam. <laughs> there we right. go. I like how we both went the same idea. Of like, they didn't play in the same league. They never, you know, probably didn't cross past too many times at club football. Let's look for international football. <laughs> <laughs> We're making it too easy. We need to do like a proper, like, maybe you yeah. guys can suggest. If you're listening to yeah. this, just let us know niche footballers. Maybe, we, have maybe, to try. We, have to have, maybe, we have to have heard of them, though. Yeah, maybe on Twitter I'll, I'll put it out. Just one, like, give a poll of four players on one day and poll of another four players on another day too. We get chucking like some Japanese players, some Australian players. 
Danny Invincible. Let's see, see what happens. That would be difficult. We're getting from Danny Invincible at Kilmarnock to, I don't know, David Beckham or something. It would be, be pretty <laughs> tricky. There you are. There's the next one, Toys. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But yeah, let us know. Um, but without further ado, enjoy our interview talking all things Arsenal and the Invincible team in the noughties with the wonderful Alice Oliver. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I must have missed that. Red card. Good afternoon, good day, and good night. Welcome back to Team of Our Lives, the only and best Northeast based football podcast. Today, we are delighted to be joined by a journalist, a TV presenter, a podcaster, and an Arsenal fan. It's Alice Oliver. How are we doing? Very well, thank you. How about you guys? We are we are doing very well, very, very yeah. well. Because like 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 us, you're a massive film buff as well. You do you do a wonderful film podcast. Thank you just, very much. just film, just just films and that. Yeah, and just films that. and that. Let's say that over and over again. Get that in about uh, six or seven times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get the, uh, <laughs> get the uh, algorithm working. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, lovely stuff. We always start with the first same three questions. Do you have a favourite Nauties footballer? Yeah, and I feel like this is it's quite a predictable one. Um, but I got to say Thierry Henry, like Love just just exquisite, sublime. Just the king of penalties. Yeah, definitely. Henri all the way. I think I used to have an Henri shirt as well, actually. Henri and Mark Overmars. Just those two, Mark though, Overmars. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, beautiful. What a player as well. Mark, Mark Overmars always had like a really cool name for me. Oh, yeah. Was... Well, well, I think the coolest name in football ever. Oh, no, no. Well, Hazard was pretty good, wasn't he? I thought yeah, that was a pretty good. good name, too. That is very good. So I always, I say this like every episode, but Stelios Giannakopoulos, like a Greek midfielder for Bolton. Oh yeah, so many it's syllables. Just, any, exactly, any any, any, <laughs> any Greek name. Um, yeah, that's pretty good for me. And do do you have a any? I suppose as an Arsenal fan, there might be quite a big pool to choose from. But I suppose any player really. <laughs> um, do you have any player you think is quite underrated? Anyone you you saw when you thought they're actually a better, a lot better than people make out? So I think I think at the time, Gilberto Silva was I think now people are sort of looking back and kind of realizing and I think there's a few lads coming up in Arsenal now who and they're comparing them to Silver and saying like oh yeah he plays just like Silver just like Silver so I feel like now he is sort of getting the recognition but at the time because he just kind of used to hang back a little bit and just sort of try to dominate the kind of back line just make sure no Vieira can go off do his thing so I feel like him a little bit so that's probably the best answer to that question I think we've ever had. Oh, I completely agree with that. <laughs> Thank he, he, you. No yeah, one, that's a, we, we've not really spoken about Gilberto Silva too much, no, have we? Two, two series we've done. And he doesn't really crop up, but you, you're absolutely right. He was kind of, he, he's won a World Cup. So it's, uh, he, must, he, he was absolutely doing something right. And he, of course, he was part of the Invincible team as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And finally, it's time to induct a player into what we call the Robbie Savage Hall of Fame. Was there a player you didn't like? A player you thought, what is he doing wearing football boots? So, I, I, so not really. And I'm going to, but I am going to give you an answer, but I want to go easy on this guy because I don't okay. think it was his fault, right? But obviously, when Theo Walcott came in, there were huge expectations placed on his shoulders. I remember people saying, like, oh, th- this is going to be the guy, like, he's going to be the next Henri and all this. And he just, never really quite lived up to the hype. And then I think he just got injured a whole bunch. And then that really just kind of followed him around them for the rest of his career. So he, I don't not like him, but he's the only one really that I could think of. Cause I don't really like, I can't think of anyone really that I disliked. Um, but Theo Walker, I think just, 
it just didn't live up to the hype. And I don't think that's his fault at all. I don't think you you can I don't think you should yeah. be going to someone, you're gonna be the next all rate. I think that's crazy. Like, don't put that pressure on someone. Um, but yeah, it was just a bit, I suppose, a bit of a, a letdown. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like with the with his age, it was just too much pressure, too young. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he looked but, so young as well. Like yeah. he looked like a kid in school still. Yeah, some of those, if you look back now, some of those early like pictures of him on the pitch with that Arsenal shirt is like three times too big for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah. But as a Pompey fan, it's great to see him not live up to his expectation because obviously he came from Southampton. Yeah, and, uh, well, we, oh, we I know about you guys, never hear that down. Yeah. We would never live that down. If uh, we get to say at the moment, oh, well, uh, Mason Mount's from Portsmouth, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's from Portsmouth, James Ward-Prowse is a Portsmouth fan. So we get, we get a little bit of bragging rights. But if Walcott ended up being an exoneree, we would, that would have been it for us. <laughs> Never going up north again. <laughs> um, so I went, to, uh, I went to uni in Southampton. So obviously I, did, I wasn't really fully aware of the extreme rivalry uh, between Pompey <laughs> and Saints. But then I've got friends now who are Southampton fans and friends who are Pompey fans. And, you know, they're very amicable when it's not match yeah. day. But uh, <laughs> beyond that. But yeah, yeah very interesting rivalry. Very, very intense. Yeah, very different when it's match day. Very, yeah. <laughs> very I really like Walcott. I remember when he got selected for the World Cup and everyone was slagging him off big time. Oh, see, I, yeah, I, I, I hate yeah, that though. Yeah. I know. It was a bit it was a bit harsh. I wanted him to like do really well. And then I think he did actually get injured as predicted. Mm. Um, as most of his career kind of kind of turned that way. Felt so, sorry for him though. He was, he was he was a good player in his pond. But yeah, you're quite right. After the Invincibles, you can't really yeah compare anyone to him because as we'll as we'll find out towards the end of this podcast some of the players he signed towards the end of the noughties were quite frankly ridiculous um <laughs> but there we, there we go um okay then you you said earlier you're calling from liverpool mm-hmm. how, how are you an arsenal fan let's let's hear the story okay so i'm from north wales originally Ooh. um and my brother basically became an Arsenal fan. So he's about three years older than I am. And he saw them win the Coca-Cola Cup, as it was known back <laughs> yeah. then. I don't know when this was. It must have been very early 90s. So then he, that was it for him then. He was obsessed. It was Arsenal, everything. And my dad is a huge Everton fan. So we were already quite a big footballing sort of household anyway, because he was very sort of keen for us to get into the sport. So then obviously me being the younger sister, I would, I, would, I just used to copy my brother, like whatever he did, basically. So then I was like, well, I'm an Arsenal fan too then. Mm-hmm. So then I got really into it. I started playing football a little bit, like just on a Saturday morning sort of thing. Nice. Um, but we just got really into it. And then because their passion sort of really spilled over onto me, so then I really got into it. We bought the same shirts. Like I said, we had matching Mark Overmars shirts that we wore at the same time. My dad used to take us to, um, so if, Arsenal ever played at Goodison um he, he, we'd we'd go to the matches because obviously back then as well tickets were like what 22 quid <laughs> um, so we used to go and then I started playing I, I think is it called Premiership Manager so it was when it was on the PC so I was yes, about 12 yeah, yeah. or 13 years old yeah so we've got this massive desktop computer my brother gets his game on disc um uh, for his birthday or whatever and I just got so obsessed with that um so I got I just felt like I kind of got to really know the team. I really liked Arsene Wenger. But then I guess sort of after the Invincibles and after Henri left, really, and then a few other things kind of started happening, especially with the all the money that became involved with the sport, I started getting into rugby a little bit more. Um, and I just kind of drifted out of it, really. And then I just sort of stopped following it. 
And then people used to ask me, it's oh, what do you think of Arsenal? This is this. And I'm like, I, I don't like, I don't know. Like, I'm not really following it anymore. And I just lost interest. So then about six years ago, I moved to Liverpool, right? Big footballing city, right? You can't avoid it. And then three years ago, I started working for Liverpool TV. Obviously, we have a huge sports section. So that was all focused on, you know, Everton and Liverpool. And then through that, I just, I kind of fell in love with Jurgen Klopp. I fell in love with the squad. They were going on this mad journey. And obviously not last season, but the season before, they had that incredible season sort of ending 2020. So now I am a Liverpool fan, really. Whoa, <laughs> I know, I know, wow. I know. And I was like, I didn't see that coming. But for me, a lot, I think a lot of it for me is about the managers. Like I loved Arsene Wenger. I really liked um, Sir Alex Ferguson as well. And you don't really get as often now these long-term, you know, 10, mm, yeah. 20, coming on to 30-year kind of managers. And then Klopp, he just sort of, I don't know, he just... He's, he's kind of embraced like Scouseness and Liverpool and the squad and then they've embraced him. So I just completely fell for it. So now I do regard myself as a Liverpool fan, but with a obviously a fondness for Arsenal and Absolutely. a little bit, for, little bit for Everton as well, just for my dad. So <laughs> if they win, then my dad's happy. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I can't say I support Man United and I live in Torquay, so you can literally, you can yes. literally get further away. So how does so, that happen? <laughs> oh, it's, it's a long story. I don't know if I've actually said it on the pod, but basically I, I, it's my stepdad who got me into football and he was obsessed with like the old school players from like the 70s, like your George Best, your Dennis Laws, uh, your Cantonars in the 90s. And, and when I was growing up, it was the class of 92. So, like, Giggs was my favourite player. Just he was doing things on the football pitch, which never, well, he's Welsh. Uh, never yeah, Welsh, yeah. Welsh person I've, I've seen do before, uh, or any person. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I kind of fell in love with that side, really. And then, uh, yeah, long came the success. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, happy days. You say, that's a good parallel, actually, you made between Jurgen Klopp and Arsene Wenger. I think they're actually, if you think about it, they're quite similar in terms of their engagement with the fans, that maybe tactically a little bit as well. Obviously, we're in, we're a northeast based show. So just on Arsene Wenger, what what when when you look back at the Premier League when it started in '92, there were a few managers that jump out. We got Alex Ferguson, Jose Mourinho, and Arsene Wenger for me. What do you think, Alice? It was about Arsene Wenger that kind of makes him leap off that page, or what? What? what, what how do you feel about him? So. Uh- obviously my interpretation of how he is comes through a television screen and that. So I don't want to kind of, you know, assume anything about him, but he did just kind of always emanate this warmth, not just towards the players, but like you said, towards the fans as well. He didn't always seem as obsessed with getting the win as maybe some other managers did. He wasn't always necessarily just stood on the sidelines, screaming at people to do this, do that. He always looked quite, nervous but like quietly nervous like he'd always be sat down with his great big coat on because he's such a slight man so he'd have this huge huge like puffy coat on and he just always looked so focused but a bit nervous but just I just never saw him get angry really um and obviously the longevity is always very respectable as well and he was there for so long and I do believe that he is very intelligent man as well like away from football like he can speak several languages he's very well educated he's very worldly um and I just feel like all those things together just made it he he's quite an appealing man to watch and you want to watch his journey that's kind of how I felt and I think after the invincible something I don't know like like 
the, the spark left his eyes or something. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was the whole thing, like going through, going to the Emirates and that. I know that had like a huge knock on effect for everything. Um, but yeah, something just changed. But now obviously it's interesting to be seeing what he's up to now. But I was, even though by 2018, I was in Liverpool, I was devastated when he left Arsenal and I was just so surprised. But then I was like, well, I mean, he's old enough now, right? Mm. <laughs> he needs to go and have a bit of a rest. But I know obviously he's still yeah. very active in the sport. Absolutely. I think, yeah, hindsight is a wonderful thing. I think a lot of people would have changed their minds and uh, had him stay a little bit longer just to like, transition onto the next manager. I've got a theory as to when it started to go south for Arsenal. And we'll come on to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a little long-ousted theory. Um, other, than, other than Thierry Henry, do you have any kind of favourite players? Um, maybe Gilberto Silva or anyone else that kind of jumps out that you thought were kind of integral? So uh, Dennis Burkamp was like my first, like my first love, basically. <laughs> like I was like, you know, uh, however old, like eight or nine years old. And I was like, oh my God, he's amazing. Um, and he was a brilliant player as well. Uh, Freddie Lundberg, I absolutely love. Um, the one for me as well, and and in particular during the Invincibles. Uh, so Robert Perez and Thierry Henry, they just had, they seemed to have this thing where wherever one of them was, the other one would be in the exact spot where he needed to be. And I feel like you could say this a lot for the whole team during the Invincibles and then sort of maybe in a couple of years leading up to it, but where they were all just so in tune with one another and they all would just stay where they needed to be. There was none of this or what I could see anyway, none of this arrogance of, no, it's my ball. I want to score the goal. It was like this understanding where like, oh, Henri's going to score the goal. So we all need to do the thing that he needs us to do to make sure he can score the goal. Um, but yeah, Perez as well. Another one, like you forget, you forget kind of how impressive he was and how an in- instrumental he was like, cause not just, cause he used to score a load of goals as well, but his assists were incredible. And the relationship between him and Henri are just, um, yeah, I just loved it. Absolutely. I've got, let's go back to the invincible season then. And it's funny you should mention Perez because uh, in all competitions in the, 0304 season in which that amazing achievement of the Invincibles happened. Henri was obviously a top goal scorer, but he scored 39 goals. That doesn't happen now. That's crazy, isn't it? I wish I could. Why doesn't that happen now? I mean, we've had we got good strikers, you know, Aguero recently. um, Do you wonder maybe um, if there is too much distraction now? Like, are they just too preoccupied with the consequences of not scoring? So there may be. It means they don't score. I don't know. But I do feel like, and you'll probably know more than I do, obviously, like doing this podcast, but it does feel like football has changed a lot from what it was 15, 20 years ago. And I don't know if that's just me, obviously, because I've taken a bit more of a back step now and I haven't followed it as closely as maybe I did at one point. But it does just feel like different. And I don't want to say like bad, but it is different. No, you're absolutely spot on. It's exactly why me and Harry decided to do this and to relive the glory days between 2000 <laughs> and 2010. Yeah, uh, you're quite right. And Robert Perez in that season, uh, Invincible season, not only did he get a bunch of assists, but he also scored 19 goals, which from the, from the wings, very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one team that did beat you that season. It was in pre-season, granted. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't count. So whatever so it, you say now so, is invalid. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't count. But, but in, in that pre-season, you beat Bayern Munich, you beat um, host PSV Eindhoven, you beat some good teams. But the only team you lost to was uh, Peterborough United. Wow, yeah. So they, so they those those behemoths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are they now? Somewhere in League One, probably. <laughs> I'm not I interested. Believe, 
I believe there was uh, two teams that Arsenal didn't beat during their invincible season. And I believe one of them was Newcastle and the other was Portsmouth. Yeah, weird. Or in the, yeah, or in the, in the Cups? No, in... in in the uh, Premier, they drew both games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, of course. Yeah, and sorry. Robert, Robert Perez pretty much saved that invincible season by wrapping his leg around the Portsmouth defender, falling over in a box and getting a penalty. Yeah. And, and then it was 1-1. Because before that, Yakubu of all people, had scored and we were winning. And it looked like we were going to break that streak. But, uh, you know, Perez, still never really forgiven him for that. But, like you say, <laughs> yeah. incre- incredible player. But it, and it is interesting the teams that they did draw against, mm, and then the not, ones that they absolutely pummeled. Yeah, because this isn't this isn't Portsmouth that were finishing sixth and winning FA Cups. This is Portsmouth fighting off relegation, mm. and this is Newcastle at a time where they weren't uh, a good team really either. You know, so oh, it is point. very interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. You think about this season as well, Arsenal. I think uh, many people kind of forget they, they had a very solid squad at this point as well. I think that the defence, in my opinion, is what made the team. Because um, as you go through the noughties and the last 10 years, it's kind of been, in my opinion, the defence that kind of let them down. But in this season, they sold David Seaman. So that was a massive move. Um, mm-hmm. Before the season, they got uh, Jens Lehmann in, obviously. Who, who It was a bit of a gamble, if you think about that. If you think in a dis- kind of defining season, we're going to change our number one keeper. It's been number yeah. one for Try David. Years. Yeah, and then yeah. We're going to try this German player from Stuttgart. He might be good. And then, uh, yeah, so that was quite lucky. You got Senderos in as well. Uh, Gail Cliche came in in this season. Fabregas came in this season as well, as did Reyes oh, and Van Persie. Um, so you've got, you've basically got in these young, great players that you've scouted, which Arsen Wenger was also just amazing at. Um, and that they basically played a cup game so that you're first team could play in the league and he ended up with, you know, going undefeated. I found a bit odd, he, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, who would go on to have this amazing career with Barcelona, he got loaned out, so God knows what he'd done to upset uh, <laughs> um, Mr. Wenger. Um, but on the, on, the, on the invincible side, Alice, is, is, what are your memories of that? What... I feel like there just wasn't any strong expectation of it, I think. I, I feel like, because I think Wenger had said the season before, something like, oh, we're definitely going to be the champions this season. And then they weren't. And then they were like, oh, like, Arsene, don't don't tell us that. Like, don't build <laughs> us up in that way. So then for this one, it was just kind of like, oh, they took a step back and they just seemed to take every game as it came. And it wasn't thinking about, oh, yeah, we're going to be this unbeatable, dominant Goliath of a squad. And it was just like, okay, we've done well today. Let's see about next week. And then we'll take it from there. And it just seemed to work. Um, I said already, just the, some of the chemistry between the players, it just, uh, and you know, obviously again, you can't tell, I want to be very careful about saying like, oh yeah, they all got on so well. Cause it's like, you know, what we see on television, that's all, that's the only information yeah. we get, but they did seem like they got on really well. They seemed like they were friends. They seemed like they were able to communicate with each other with no arrogance or no fear. And it just meant that on the pitch, they just, they just kind of moved as one. And it was all, it was, it was just so impressive and everyone else, like the other teams just kind of seemed to be a bit taken aback. Although, I mean, you know, maybe that's just wishful thinking from me. It's like, yeah, fuck you, United. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, can we swear on this? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. 
I would say but, you were you were knocked out by United in the FA Cup this year. So. Well, and and well, yeah, and this is the thing, and the whole thing with United and Arsenal, kind of in the years leading up to the Invincibles, and you know the fact that you have got someone like Arsene Wenger against um, Sir Alex Ferguson, um, the whole thing it was just like a recipe for success. <laughs> like obviously Wenger had come in, he told you know tried to change up the training regime, the health and fitness regime. He was like, right, you know, stop drinking, stop dicking about, let's get some good night's sleep. Do you know what I mean? And just kind of paying more attention, I suppose, to the other factors that make you a good athlete that mm. maybe you don't necessarily think of when you're playing football. It's like, oh, can you kick the ball? Can you run from here to there? It's like, yeah, it's like, all right, well, nice one. Go to the pub and have a fry up or whatever. But he was just kind of like, no, like a more of a scientific approach, I suppose. It's like you can't be the best that you can be if you're not physically in the best shape of your life. And he seemed to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to get them to that shape. And they all kind of seem to go along with it, I guess. And I suppose when you start getting success and, you know, you're going like nine or 10 games without a defeat and you're like, okay, obviously something's working. So then maybe you stick to that and it makes you more kind of, I guess, more dedicated to yourself as an athlete and then to your teammates as well absolutely and what I liked about Wenger as well he he practiced what he preached so he would be on the players diet as well and I think he was maybe even up until he retired which is a bit ridiculous for a 68 year old man just to be in spinach but uh there we go <laughs> or whatever <laughs> I assume that's what the Arsenal players just ate spinach yeah just spinach <laughs> all day just spinach. all night <laughs> all day all night more spinach please Mr Henri. Um, okay. the, ne- the next season, then you guys finish second. Uh, Henri again scores thirty goals in in that season. Um, Robert Pires scores another seventeen. One of the underrated players of the noughties, You mentioned him earlier on. Freddie Lundberg as well scored fourteen. Reyes gets twelve. I think L- Lundberg doesn't really get the credit he deserves. I'm not sure because he had like a silly haircut, or if he was a he was one of the, he was one well, of the early Calvin Klein models, or yeah, why this wasn't is. there wasn't there a song like "We love you, Freddie, because you've got red hair." We love you, Freddie. Yeah. I'm sure I remember singing that. And the problem is when you do something like that, then maybe it's like, oh yeah, he's just kind of the joke player or whatever. But I had thought Lundberg was underrated, but I wasn't sure if other people thought that as well, but I'm glad you've said that now, yeah, actually, because I loved him. I thought he was brilliant. He was a very, he was a very technical player for like a Scandinavian person. You kind of think of them as kind of like brutes, but he was very technically gifted as well. Um, so this is the season he finished second behind Chelsea. Obviously Chelsea get all this money from Roman Abramovich. Mm. He finished 12 points behind Chelsea. So there's a clear, there's a clear disparity. Um, but obviously if Roman Abramovich wasn't there, it was a good chance Arsenal would have won the league again. Um, you break, this is also the season you get rid of a lot of um, veterans uh, Martin Keown leaves Ray Parler leaves uh, Carnu leaves Sylvain Wiltord leaves um, and you get in Almunia and Flamini and, uh, and a few other kind of risque players let's say you did win the FA Cup this season against Man United on penalties um, and you've done quite well in the Champions League as well there seems to be do you think when the experienced players start to leave slash retire do you think that's when it kind of starts to go downhill it's it's certainly one of the factors that contributed to it because especially the players that had been at the club for such a long time you know if you're spending kind of seasons and seasons there you do build up you know these relationships this kind of commitment that you don't get when you're just like flopping about from one club to another kind of season after season um, but certainly one of the factors, obviously a big thing, um, and I know Henri's spoken about this before as well, but it was the money and the fact that we haven't got money to get in the players that we want at the moment because we're building this new stadium. And obviously mm. they needed to because 
whatever it was in Highbury, like 35,000 seats doesn't compare to Old Trafford 70, 75,000. And it's like, if, you, if, you're, if you're thinking now, okay, we're going to be top of the league now, this, these are the games we're playing, we're in the top four, you want to be bringing in the crowds because then you need them to buy the tickets so then you've got the money to buy the good players. So it was that. I think as well, people saw what Arsene was doing in terms of the diet, the lifestyle, the kind of control and the relationship that he had with his players and then probably started trying to copy that. And it's like, obviously you're going to, like if, you know, if, oh, it, this is the strategy that the best team have used. So obviously we've got to do that too. If eating salads and chicken breasts and not going out and getting pissed and not eating, you know, <laughs> shitty food is going to help, then let's do those things. So it was a few things like that. I don't know if, I don't know if maybe then once you start losing things, I mean, the, so the expectation, first of all, coming out of that invincible season, that's going to be intense in it. We see it with Liverpool when they won in 2020 with that unbelievable, like, didn't they win like five games before the season was even over? Yeah. A ridiculously good win. And then next season, they just fell apart. Like the first seven or eight games, it wasn't good. And you're just mm. like, what the hell has happened? But if you're feeling that expectation, then obviously the players are too. And that is going to have a detrimental effect. And I think a lot of the time you forget that they are just blokes. Like they're just lads. Like they're not superhuman. They still have feelings and emotions. They still want to do as well as they can. And they know that they've got thousands, possibly millions of supporters wanting them to do well as well. So I think just all, just all those things together, just, you know, it was just going to crumble. Great point you made there as well is, I think it doesn't help that you, they're being compared with Manchester United for so long as well, because what so, so Alex Ferguson managed to like rejuvenate squads and keep on winning, which was just freakish. You've never you, yeah. you don't you don't see that pattern in any other league in any other point in history when the same team keeps winning with different squads. Um, so I think you're quite right as well. But to finish second in that season after the invincible seasons is you know it's not a mistake. It's a bloody good achievement considering. Um, everything you've just said and, and to win the FA Cup as well the last season at Highbury then which is 2005-2006 um, Henri 33 goals again in a single season that's three over 100 Freaky, goals in three seasons I'm, I'm bewildered I mean there must be some sort of science as to why he was that good and to why um, <laughs> we don't see that nowadays um, Robert Perez again uh, scores 11 and this is when Van Persie starts to prop up a bit he scores 11 as well um, Harry, one of your favourite kits was this anniversary kit that Arsenal yeah. had this season, the kind of dark red with the gold kind of trim and yeah. the logo. So it was like the centenary of Highbury or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was uh, to obviously celebrate the last season and to, uh, I think it was some sort of like centenary. And also, it's like the original colour when they were Woolwich Arsenal. So I think it's a throwback um, to that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we, moved, <laughs> before we moved to North London. Um, but yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah, but I just think it's a beautiful kit and I love it anytime the uh, club throwback to an old, uh, like the original kit. I'd love it for Portsmouth to come out with a pink home kit one day as our first one was pink. Yeah. Yeah. Like a bright pink. Yeah. They were nicknamed was Shrimp. Because oh, it was like shrimp. shrimp pink. But that was like, you know, 1800s, obviously. In, so in the 1800s, um, they wore a pink kit. Yeah. That would have been... Aggressive so, as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say. I was going <laughs> to say. That, that wouldn't have been socially... No. Know, Portsmouth and the Navy's got a Yeah, exactly. They all would have been people from the Navy playing for them, I'm sure, as well. But um, So maybe it was like a bit of a 
wow. ironic thing. But I'd love them to one year be like, oh, it's the hundred and thirtieth year, like let's have a pink kit all season. But I can't, I can't see it happening. So, so for Arsenal to go, all right, let's get rid of the red and white, and let's go for a maroon, mm-hmm. like incredible. Yeah. Fair play, fair play indeed. Um, this is my theory. Is this is my kind of what would you say, kind of a timestamp of when the decline of Arsenal for me started. Um, so new season, last season at Highbury, you finished fourth place this season. It's starting to look a bit tricky for you. Mm. You, uh, sold, you sell Patrick Vieira to um, Juventus. This is the season you bring in Theo Walcott. Good player. Does well for you over the, over the course. You bring in Adam Hall. Does very well for you. And then betrays you by going to Man City. <laughs> you bring in Abu Dhabi. Uh, you bring in the most successful Belarusian player of all time in Alexander Hype. But this is a signing which timestamps the decline of Arsenal. You sign Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> Not a fan, no. <laughs> well, 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 what, do you, what, what do you think? I've seen him play quite a few times in real life, actually. But um, so- I feel like losing Vieira is possibly yeah. the, the beginning that, of the end. That's isn't a killer it? blow, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's just even like I feel like sometimes you can even look at Arsenal today and go, "You still haven't replaced Vieira." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still waiting, fellas. Yeah, he had. He was just kind of like not not the glue. I feel like that's maybe giving him too much credit, but in the center there, he just he was he could be everywhere at once. It felt like he's like, "Oh, you need him to defend." All right, it'll just pop back a little bit. It's like, "Nah, go up front." And he, I guess, he was quite versatile. I suppose. Mm. Is the mm. word, and I feel like a few of them were really. If you're thinking, obviously, back to the invincible season, we had a few versatile players, and they could yeah. move about, and they did a little bit. Ray Parlow, even though he was in his thirties at that point, he was quite versatile as well. He still had a bit of pace in the old legs. Uh, tricky, tricky, tricky man. Ashley Cole as well, left back. Mm. Yeah, like, he switched, likes, didn't he? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, terrible. What's funny about that is that you sold Ashley Cole, got William Gallas. He wore number 10 as a centre-back, which was just dis- <laughs> disgraceful. Uh, absolutely disgraceful. And I think he got five million quid as well. It was, it was a bargain for Chelsea, put it that way. Um, Ashley Cole was an interesting one as well. I, so, I sometimes forget that he played for Arsenal because he spent so long at Chelsea and because mm-hmm. he was quite iconic at Chelsea. Um, but yeah, he was there and he, he was good. And I wonder if he's a little bit underappreciated as well because I know there's been a lot of... like personal controversies about him and he sort of kept finding himself in the limelight for the wrong reasons then I wonder if that kind of sort of it it kind of changes people's view of him or if it just means that they don't kind of think about him in the same breath as someone like Thierry Omri yeah I think Arsenal fans for sure don't uh, appreciate Ashley Cole because he he was one of the best left backs in the world without a doubt um but I'm sure Chelsea fans love him I mean obviously Mm. Arsenal fans just hate him because of that controversial move but then maybe Arsenal were due it after stealing Sol Campbell from Tottenham yeah well yes and that was all very dramatic wasn't it so I'm not going to Arsenal I'm not going to Arsenal oh I'm at Arsenal sorry fellas <laughs> absolutely didn't they didn't uh, Arsenal fans didn't they print like 20 pound notes with Ashley Cole's face in it or something like throw it at him I seem oh, to remember I don't I seem to remember, maybe I'm maybe I'm making it up, but uh, seen, it was I've a seen, weird dream you had one yeah, time. That'd be, that'd be a very <laughs> weird dream. Thinking <laughs> about Ashley Gold too much. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. So the end of that season, you, you finish fourth. Um, the next season, your first season at Highbury. Guess what? Um, Henri 
does not do well. I think he got injured, actually. He only scores 12. Van Persie is the top goal scorer that season, only with 13. Um, and you finish fourth again. So there is a there is a massive decline in your first season in the Emirates. Maybe that's to be expected moving into a big stadium. As you said earlier, big expectations as well with this, all this money we've saved in going into this new stadium. And it, it kind of flops in its first season. Um, so this is Thierry Henry's last season. Um, any thoughts on moving into the Emirates or, or and Henry's last season? Do you think so, it was a good move for him or he knew what was coming? I, at first... And this was just because I loved, I loved Highbury. Like I had, I had these like sweatbands that said Highbury on them and stuff. And like, it was quite iconic in our house. Like I think we had like pictures of it and stuff. And obviously in the, in all the books that we had about Arsenal. So I was like, oh, and obviously, but obviously too young to kind of realize, no, they need to make money by having more people in the crowds, obviously. Um, so I wasn't looking forward to it anyway. And then it did happen. And <sighs> It's never, it's never going to be as you want it to be. Because ideally, you'll move in and it'd be like, yes, brilliant. It's new. It's shiny. It's fresh. Like, everything's brand new. Like, this is going to be amazing to play on. It's going to feel great under our feet and all this. But it's never like that, is it? And then I don't know if Henri, like, struggled with that as well. Like, in terms of when you think about, like, the home performances, like, maybe that was something to do with it. But it's so difficult to say because of the combination of factors and the other thing as well that I think about is how much better the other teams were getting especially when you think about Chelsea and then obviously Man City coming up as well Mm. all this money started getting pumped into the game money that Arsenal just couldn't keep up with and then suddenly that's what talks it's like oh no it's not who has the best training system or the best training facilities or even the best manager if you've got the most money you're just going to get the best players that's just the way it works so I don't know, but it was sad. Like Henri leaving was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me. And I just sort of like, oh, I guess I guess I don't really care anymore. And it's just so weird because I cared so much just a few years yeah. before. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's, you, that's, go on, Harry. Did, did you uh, consider becoming a Barcelona fan? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I feel like my dad sort of had a few Barcelona shirts though. He I think he just likes to collect the shirts and that. We all did. We all but, did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But no, I did it just kind of I just sort of fell out of it. And I don't know if it was because it's hard to kind of say whether you just become more aware of certain things or if certain things are just happening a little bit more. But for me, it just kind of felt like there was more diving going on. Everything was a bit less kind of sportsman-y and I just I just sort of started turning more and more towards rugby. And then obviously, you you know, when you're watching rugby and stuff, there's these lads that have got blood pouring out of their eyes or they've broken their hand and stuff. And they're like, no, I'm staying on. I'm going to play this game to mm. the end. And then you just kind of got the opposite in that in football where it's like, oh, no, I need the ref to think I'm hurt so I can get the I penalty felt, yeah. and the free kick or something. And it's just, I just kind of felt a bit disillusioned with all that, I suppose. Absolutely. I think a lot of people did as well. And I think you're quite right. Um, it's something I never actually thought about with Arsenal, actually, is not having the funds. But now I come to think of it, you're pro- you're, you're, you've hit the nail on the head because I'm just looking at the transfers here. So obviously Henri left that season. Bergkamp also retired that season. Mm, that's they a didn't... huge double whammy, that. Exactly, Two yeah. of them at the same time. Um, Antonio Reyes, who was like your big upcoming player, he got loaned out that season. Uh, you sold, uh, sold Campbell... And uh, Laurent, the other centre-back as well. 
And you didn't really, you replaced Henri and uh, Bergkamp with, uh, I don't know if you remember him, uh, remember, Harry, do you remember a player called Julio Baptista? Yeah. Yeah, uh, played for Real Madrid as well, but he, he was not, he wasn't. He was alright for Madrid, but it, it didn't work at Arsenal. No, it didn't work at Arsenal. So Interesting you bring in that, isn't it? How it tra- Alex, how yeah. that doesn't translate. So you, Sorry. For, yeah, exactly. And this is a yeah. Also, sell uh, Ashley Cole this season as well, and getting Gala. So maybe money was an issue, and you needed to rely on those finances a bit more. Maybe maybe that's what it was. I have to have a I have to have a word with the uh, board of directors. Um, <laughs> you did still have that Adebayor, um, and next season, 07-08, As we quickly wrap up towards the end of the Norseys, Adebayor actually does score thirty goals altogether. Wow. So you, you kind of get that feeling of. Henri might be coming back or so a version of Henri is coming back and you finish third so you finish fourth for last two seasons um, you come up you come up to third so you think Adebayor is your kind of talisman Fabregas does well um, and uh, Eduardo de Silva the Croatian born Brazilian guy who remember that leg break in the oh, Birmingham yeah, City horrible. match broke his leg as well massively uh, Lundberg retires this season as well from Arsenal um, yeah he doesn't doesn't get much better than next season after. Um, Adebayor doesn't do too well. He only gets 16 goals, half what he got the season previously. Van Persie gets 20. This is in 08-09. Um, Lord Bentner has a bit of a revival. Don't know where he's been the last couple of years, but he scores 15, the Danish, um, wow. the Danish man. So God knows how he done that, but he done quite well. And this is when you start making weird, weird transfers. Uh, Gilberto Silva leaves this season. You start picking up people like... Um, Sylvestre from Manchester United, Aaron Ramsey, Sami Nasri, Andre Arshavin comes in. It's a bit weird, and he finished fourth again, uh, fourth again in 08-09. And then in the last season, 09-010, it's gone a bit tits up. Uh, Emmanuel Adebayor goes to Man-, Man City. It's that famous celebration where he runs the length of the pitch and <laughs> celebrates in front of the Arsenal fans. Um, Sol Campbell's re-signed, which is a bit of a weird one for me. Um, your top goal scorer was Fabregas. So 19 goals coming from Fabregas that season from a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of obvious to see where, where, where you're kind of lacking. And he finished third again somehow, which is a bit weird. Um, but what was even weirder in that last season of the decade is that you you loan out some of your best players. Uh, Wojciech Szczesny, the goalkeeper, gets loaned out. Senderos, who's been a you know, pretty solid defender for a few years at this point, gets uh, loaned out. Jack Wilshere gets loaned out. Uh, Gavin Hoyt gets loaned out. That shouldn't yeah. be happening at that point. Like, no. if you think that the move into the Emirates was then what? So four to five years before that, you'd have hoped that by then things would have stabilised a bit more. But all that just mm. sounds like, oh, shit, we need to make some money however we can. Absolutely. It does look a bit desperate. You also sell, um, so Colo Toure, who, for my money, was another underrated defender Arsenal had at the time. He went to Man City at the same time as Adelaide So... Your two, two, arguably your, your best attacker and best defender moved to the new money of uh, of Manchester City. Mm, that's the problem um, as well, isn't it? When you're talking like a difference of tens and tens of thousands of pounds a week, where mm. are you going to go? And if and if all the originals aren't there, like you're saying, like if Burkamp's gone, Henri's gone, Vieira's gone, then then it's like, well, what like what are we staying for? Like we liked it because we were playing with some of the greatest in the world, and now who are we playing with? A bunch of people we've only met last year. Don't know. I don't know, when you say it out loud, it's just, it feels so bizarre. But it must have been, well, one of the main reasons has got to be the money. Oh, it's got to be that it just wasn't there. 
and they were just clutching at straws at that point. Absolutely, definitely. Sure. So if I, if Alice, I could transfer you back to that time when, let's say, mid noughties I don't know, the Invincible season, 2004. Is there anything you would personally change that would stop you from becoming a, a Liverpool fan in the future, maybe? But to continue that love of Arsenal you did have in that time, what would have made it continue? Maybe was it Thierry Henry staying? Was it Wenger staying a little bit longer uh, later on? Is there anything you can kind of, you emotionally think you might have changed personally? I think because the sort of fundamentals of the game changed and maybe maybe if I hadn't have got as into rugby, like I've already said, or maybe if, because the diving thing just really pisses me off. And I know, <laughs> I know it's it's a tricky one because now it's just kind of ingrained into the sport and it's like, yeah. oh, we just expect it. And, you know, if our player dives and it works out well, we celebrate. But if the other player, player dives and they get a penalty or a free kick or whatever, we're going to hurl abuse at the referee and we're going to hurl abuse at that opposition team. And I just hate all that. And I think I was so kind of innocent. Obviously, it must have still been happening in the kind of 90s into the early 2000s. But I was just so much less aware of it. Mm. And there was one, I think it was one of the Brazilian players. It was during one of the World Cups, because we used to watch the World Cups and we always used to bet on them. And I always used to bet on Brazil, right? It was my two pound coin on Brazil. And most of the time I'd be all right. But there was uh, one match where, and you'll, you'll know who it is, I think, but basically the guy stood there. Someone kicks the ball at him. It <laughs> knocks his shins. He grabs Ronaldo. his head and yeah. falls. It was Ronaldo. Yeah, I thought it was. And I see stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh, like, I hate, I just hate it. Because oh, we can see mean. you. We can see what you're doing. Like, you're not tricking us. And we know and we have to live with that. So if you win because of that, because of your cheating, it just did my head in. It's like, Absolutely. come on, you're getting paid enough. Like, at least just follow the rules. Absolutely. It's, it's, all, it's all marginal gains there. That's the way, as you quite rightly said, in, in the noughties, because everything is scrutinised. I don't, I think Sky, so I'd get rid of Sky Sports. I, <laughs> I, I, I just don't, I don't, because they just look at things in such finite detail to the point where it gives everybody an opinion on like an offside that was like two feet to where, where, where we are today. But as, yeah, I think, if I could get it back, I'd just change the rules slightly to make it less, as you said, a, bit, a little bit less divey and you didn't have to go down to get the foul. Um, I think that's I where like a lot of problems lie. So, that so many of them are already so talented, but then I guess this is part of the problem, that the competition now is so stiff, so you do have to take any any sort of opportunity you can to get ahead. But they are so talented and they're brilliant athletes and I feel like you could still play a brilliant game and you can still win without doing that. But if everyone's at that level, then I guess you've got to do what you've got to do, haven't you? Because if we win, we're going to be the ones who get all the money. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I, I, I love to see like the Wimbledon side of the mid nineties just come in and absolutely kick the shit out of like uh, Man City today. We're going to transfer <laughs> those to Vinnie Jones, just like biting someone's ear off. That'd be that'd be great. Vinnie, yeah, wow. Oh, Vinnie. <laughs> Even in, we should do an episode on Vinnie Jones. That'd be that'd oh. be great. Yeah, just watch all, could easily. We, we could just watch all the movies Vinnie Jones has ever been in. <laughs> oh, there's too many. He's done some shocking films as well, though. Oh, he has. Absolutely. He's, was he, he was in Lockstock, wasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. that's his like, first film role. Oh, absolutely. Or one Fair of play. them. Beautiful stuff. Anyway, that's the end of the Northeast chat. It's time to play our first quiz of the podcast. It's Deal or No Deal. <laughs> Deal 
Uh, if you're listening for the first time, shame on you. But uh, I'll, exp- <laughs> I'll, ex- I'll, ex- I'll explain the rules anyway. Uh, deal or no deal is a transfer quiz game. It's deal for uh, true and uh, no deal for false. I've got a list of five Arsenal players, uh, especially for Alice today. Um, quite simply, Alice, it's deal or no deal. It's true or false. No pressure whatsoever, really. Um, mm. Except... I need to yeah. do better than Josh. Yeah, you got four out. Of, <laughs> yeah. He's, the, he's yeah. the only he's the only person that hasn't got five out of five. He got four out of five. Oh, that's still a pre. Oh God. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. here we go. Fingers it's crossed. Okay. Let, because some of these players are kind of post two thousand six. I'll let you ask Harry for help if you need it. Oh, oh that's okay. That's but, awesome. <laughs> I must warn you, Harry is also not very good at this game. Ah, okay. Okay. Might be better off just going solo then. It's up to to you. The the Harry Harry option is there if you want. Anyway, uh, number one, Thomas Rosicki. Did he move from Borussia Dortmund to Arsenal for £9 million? True or false? Deal or no deal? No deal. What do you reckon? Do you want Harry's opinion? No. No? Okay, fair enough. Unless he knows. Do you know? No. Okay. Okay. No deal. It was a deal, I'm afraid. Crap. Okay. Sorry. Off to a bad start. It's it's not good. Um, Gilberto Silva. He's, well, he was with Arsenal in the noughties. Did he leave to go to Panathinaikos for £2.25 million? Deal or no deal? Uh, oh, no deal. I'm afraid it was a deal again. Oh, he, crap. Did that, he went to that. He went to that weird Greek side for. I don't know weird. He could have gone to anywhere oh. in the world. Went there Damn. for some reason. Uh, Adebayor did he move from AS Monaco to Arsenal for nine million? Much like Thierry Henry done in the 90s. Deal or no deal? I don't just want to say no deal again is the thing. But if the last two have been deal, (laughs) then going off statistics. Yeah, Harry's there if you need him. Harry, got any input? Phone a friend? Ask the audience. Uh, I feel like he also went from Tottenham to Arsenal, right? He went from what? Tottenham first to us. Oh no, not or, judging by his face. Or was, it, or was it the other way around? <laughs> okay, I can tell you now. I'll, I'll, I'll get. He went to Tottenham after Man City. Okay. Tottenham after. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, we were trying to play, replace Henri, so may, may, maybe they went back to where they found Henri. Well, yeah, that's maybe. a good theory, actually. Yeah, it's like that's where he came from. So let's go back and chuck our rods in that pond. Hmm. All right. Deal. Correct. Oh, are they just all deal? Should I just have said deal all the way? <laughs> well, you're about to you're about to find out. Okay. Um, number four, <laughs> Sami Nasri. Did he move from PSG to Arsenal for oh, 14.4 million? I should definitely know this. PSG. Hmm. Hmm. What are you thinking, Harry? I feel wrong? like I can see him. I feel like I can see him in his old shirt as well. I'm going to say no deal. And that is correct. He moved okay. from he moved from Marseille. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. So I, I tried to throw you off another French team, careful. <laughs> and finally, the uh, Russian architect, that is Andrei Arshvin, did he move from Zenit St. Petersburg to Arsenal also for 14.85 million? 
I mean, that sounds very plausible, but was he somewhere else first? This is the thing. I'm going to say deal for that one. Correct. There we Ooh. are. Ended it. Ended it well. Ended it well. You saved yourself. So was, it, so was, that, was that three? Yeah. Three out of five. Okay, that's not too bad. That's not no, too I'd bad. I'll go with that. Definitely, definitely take that. It's above average. Got off to a terrible start, so I pulled it. Yeah, you saved yourself. Saved yourself. That's what we want. That's much like Arsenal. You saved yourself at the last minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Um, but that's just arbitrary. That doesn't have a scoreboard. I'll tell you what does have a scoreboard. Okay. What's in your panini? Uh, this is the uh, when I've been on eBay I've purchased some stickers that are 15 years old mm-hmm. they are still sealed in their packets Okay. and we are going to open a packet live now and uh, get you up on our leaderboard we should probably tell you that uh, Josh uh, is second on the leaderboard at the moment oh wow he, he done yeah. very well behind Ollie because oh. Ollie broke the system with the first pack yeah, I didn't know. It, it didn't go well. It didn't fit the narrative. <laughs> there we go. So, Alice, if you would be so kind to uh, pick a number between one and ten, please. Nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Feels like a good pack. It smells like early Facebook and Woolworths prime noughties. There we go. Um, we do tend to be we look if a, if we have a fan on that supports a particular team and they pull players from that team we do look favourably upon that so if you get Arsenal players okay. it could be good it could be okay. good and if, you, if, you get, get a, if you get a shiny <laughs> Arsenal badge oh, <gasps> oh well, imagine uh, that might put you top of the board so <laughs> what is the aim of this what am I hoping to achieve we're, we're hoping That's to that, really. yeah we're hoping to pull out well recognised players okay shinies Decent strikers, players we remember. Okay. More often okay. than not, we do pull out oh, a player. Yeah, we, go, we go, who the fuck is that? Who's that? But, um, Who's yeah, that? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's all it's all a bit of fun. There we go. Right, I'm gonna open up the uh, sealed packet. Should be able to hear that authenticated rip. <laughs> Got the seal of approval. There we go. Right. Are we ready for our first players? So first up in your Panini packet, that's 15 years old, is a player I've never heard of. Oh, damn. Oh, I'm so sorry. This, is, this hasn't started well. You've got a Derby, Derby County's captain. I think it's Darren Oakley. There we go. I don't think you can see that. Yeah, Darren just Oakley. Yeah. Just about. No. Don't know your dad, No, I think that was the season Derby County finished with the lowest points total of all time. I'm so sorry, Alice. This has not gone well. <laughs> Next up is another Derby County player. What is going on? It's a Giles Barnes. He, he was actually quite a good winger back in <laughs> back in the day. Um, but yeah, wow, weird, very weird. I'll tell you what, um, Josh would be very jealous of your next one because it is a Blackburn Rovers kit. That scores oh. highly. Oh. It's yeah, a lovely see, kit. I this I loved the Blackburn Rovers kit and the badge. Yeah, yeah, the badge is amazing. Yeah, the badge and kit are both lovely, iconic, absolutely splendid. Oh, that's a good face. I'm going to assume that's a good face, <laughs> and not. Oh my god, it's another one I've never heard of. This is a very good face. Okay, go on. You've. I'm not going to lie to you, Alice. You started with possibly the worst pack we've ever opened. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm the comeback kid, I told you. See that with 3-5, right? <laughs> but, uh. but, 
Oh, I can't believe this. We've only had we've only had three shinies, and that was in the last three packs we've opened. Mm-hmm. This is a shiny of the mm-hmm. most successful team the Premier League has ever seen. <laughs> it's the Manchester United <laughs> shiny. <laughs> That's incredible. I was, I was literally, I was speechless. I was speechless for a second. Which is bizarre because when 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 Josh opened the pack, he got a shiny porcelain. No, did he? Yeah, he got a shiny porcelain. He got a shiny porcelain badge. That's interesting, isn't it? So we've opened two shinies for the teams me and Harry support. This has done you the world of favours. If it was going on the others, you'd be pretty near the bottom. But um, the most I've never been happier to see a Man United badge, (laughs) and never will again. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you've got two stickers left though. That's um, okay. You got Kevin Davis, the Bolton striker. He was. He gets a bit of a cold here. Get some some decent points there. And the last one is, um, yeah, not great either. Um, You get Bolton player, uh, Nicky Hunt, and Middlesbrough player, Julio Arca. They're both both cold legends. And to get me me and Harry have a a fondness for Middlesbrough and Bolton Wanderers to get get two in the same cards. You do get some bonus points there. Um, What are we thinking then, Harry? I'll quickly roll through. The players, we've got Darren Oakley, the captain for Derby County. Not great, not going to lie. Giles Barnes was quite good, but not in that Derby side, he wasn't. Um, Blackburn Rovers kit scores high. Uh, Kevin Davis, the Bolton striker, with one England cap, also scores high because he's a bit of a legend. Um, and Nicky Hunt and Juliaka score kind of mid-range, but the 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 crown of jewel. <laughs> I can't believe they put in a shiny Manchester United in in that terrible pack. Um, <laughs> That's what the, was yeah. that about? Okay, so let's give, let's give you an idea. So I'm top of the leaderboard with nine. Um, Josh is second with eight point nine. You've done very well. You got a very good pack. Um, and then I think it's is it Chad? It's, it's, it's Kyle. It's Kyle. 8.2. He, he had the Portsmouth badge. He had the Portsmouth badge. Aaron so got I, 7. Yeah. 5.5. Purely for the shiny Manchester United badge, I think it's it would be rude not to put it along with Kyle on the 8.2 scale. Because yeah. I'm a Man United fan, I might even say 8.3. Oh. Um, but I'm going to give this one to Harry, really, because it'd be, it'd be too biased of me to um, score it so, too highly. Kyle got 8.2 because he had Pompey Badge and Gail Clichy. <coughs> okay. okay. We, don't, we don't really have a player of Clichy's. But then we do have... Th- do you have a Blackburn kit? The we have a Blackburn kit, kit what is mm. amazing. And Kevin and we Davis. Have Kevin Davis and Nicky Hunt, who are both quite cult. So may- maybe it's 8.4. Point- oh. Maybe 8. we should 4? get more. Maybe, yeah, maybe think- we should get... Maybe Oh, wait, wait. It's it's just, be, it's, one, I think one it has final, to be Ivan Kyle. One, one, one final case. Quite, it's not Shiny quite Manchester United badge. <laughs> won Blackburn. a league multiple times, FA Cup, Champions League, all in this decade. And we thought the shine. This might be on. E- this could go on eBay for like a grand, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I do actually. I'm, I'm going to check afterwards and I would. Not, not tell Alice. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Right. Let's I, you know what? Eight point eight point five. I reckon. You're creeping up. If we just keep talking, you'll you'll get to ten eventually. So yeah. you remember that? Remember it's that Man United shiny that you had, though? Yeah, remember yeah. when Man United yeah. won so, want, like everything? You, have you explained why you've got nine? Okay, so basically, the reason I've got nine is because I straight away the first card I pulled was Cristiano Ronaldo. 
Oh, fuck. Uh, exactly. That's, that, if, you, if you pulled Thierry Henry, I think we'd give you a chance. Can you imagine? Yeah, my brain um, would have exploded. Yeah. But uh, but I, th- I think 8.5, Harry. Yeah. Happy All right. Yeah. So 8.5, 8. which puts you third out of 10. So I think that's that's very good. I think that's really generous. And I was worried there after I hadn't <laughs> heard of the first yeah, four Giles dudes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, one, no one wants to hear of them. They're rubbish. You know this guy who played for Derby County? <laughs> no. <laughs> it could be worse. Well, could have, could have could. pulled Gerald Sid again. Oh, don't, it's not all about Gerald Sid. <laughs> didn't he? Oh yeah, don't worry. Let's not get into that. Um, anyway, that's that's the end. That's that's the end of the podcast. Uh, Alice uh, Oliver, thank you so much for joining us. Um, where where can people find you? Listen to your podcast and all your work. Where, where's the best place to send them? So I'm on. I'm just Alice Oliver all over all the social media. Alice Oliver TV on Twitter. Uh, Alice Rian O on Instagram, Alice Oliver on Facebook. Podcast is just films in that. We celebrate films that we think are underrated, underappreciated or underseen. It's a very positive zone. You know, all these films kind of get slagged off and people tear them apart and we're there to try and find the good in them. Uh, so that's just films in that. That's across all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're even on TikTok. I know, Ooh, guys. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, that's just films in that. We've got a brilliant website that our producer made. That's just films in that pod.com. We're on YouTube. We are anywhere that you would get your podcasts. Oh, and I can be seen every now and then on the local TV network. So if you live in Bristol, Birmingham, Manchester, Liverpool, North Wales, South Wales, Leeds, or the Northeast, you can see me on TV on Channel 7. Excellent stuff. I think that's, <laughs> a, that's the best self-promotion I think we've ever had. Or ever <laughs> but, there we go. Fair play. Uh, once again, thank you so much for talking us through Arsenal and packing that Manchester United badge because that's been sitting in my <laughs> office for about... I don't know, a year maybe I've not opened it really? so fair, fair oh. play fair play indeed um, any questions towards us on the Twitter at Team of Our Lives Instagram uh, teamoflives.football or you can email us teamoflives at gmail.com with anything you want us to cover talk about or if you want to come on and chat something do that why not um, but until next time sayonara God bless and uh, we'll see you on the next one Team Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Sports Social Podcast Network.